We are in the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 2 today. If you have your Bible, you can open to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, so it's relatively easy to find, and chapter 2 is pretty early on in it. We're at the end of chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 18 today. And what's been going on in the story so far of creation that God is doing in the book of Genesis is in Genesis 1, we have kind of the broad brushstrokes of God creating everything. He creates light, and he creates land, and he creates the moon and the sun, and he creates the stars, he creates plants, he creates animals, and at the end of creation, he creates man and woman in his image. We are special because we are made uniquely in the image of God, different than the animals, different than the plants, different than the mountains. God made us in his image. That's a special fact about who we are as People. So we're excited about that fact that we're made in God's image. And then God zooms in in Genesis chapter 2 and focuses on that special creation of man and that special creation of woman. And so we see that in the beginning of Genesis chapter 2 um, that God made this special place for man and woman to live in the Garden of Eden, a perfect place where food was um, readily available to them, right? So that they could be supplied their needs and they were given responsibility to tend the garden. And Adam is there in the garden alone and life seems perfect. It seems idyllic. Everything that God has done has been good and everything that God does is good. And then we reach Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 and something jumps out at us before the creation of woman, we reach this verse. And this is what Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And so we have this story, and, and everything is good. Everything is good. Everything is perfect. Everything is ideal. And then God looks down at creation, and he notices there's a gap in his creation, there is something not good. There's something not good about man being by himself. There's something not good about a person living their lives totally independent of other community. You know, we know that that's not good because when you go to prison, right, we have general population prisons. We keep people together because we know if we take them and we put them in solitary confinement for any length of time, it is bad for them. Right? That is, that is a punishment inside a prison to take you out of community and to put you isolated by yourself because it's not good for man to be alone. And it's not just not good for man to be alone. Women, it's not good for you to be alone. We are all created specifically for relationships. We are made to be in a relationship. God himself is a relational God. And when we are made in God's image, that need for relationship gets passed on to us. We are made for relationship. God himself is, is relational. I mean, look, think about it. Before creation, 
before God made man and people to pray to him and the whole universe out there, God still was in a relationship inside of himself. That's one of the beauties of the Trinity. The Trinity is a hard concept for us to grasp that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he's always been that. He's always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's always been this Trinity inside of the Godhead. God has always been relational. Even just to relate inside of himself, he is a relational being. It's part of who God is, and it's part of who we are. And so when man was sitting in a perfect garden with everything he ever needed, and everything around him was well uh, apportioned and wonderful, it was not good for him. It wasn't good for man. It seems like it would be good. Sometimes we think about that, right? Like if I could get away from all of this nonsense and just live in paradise, whatever your paradise is, right? Maybe your paradise is, is like a land out there, uh, you know, out in Milano with, you know, 200 head of cattle and no one else to bother you. Maybe that's paradise for you. It wouldn't be for me. Right? Maybe your paradise is going and living on an island somewhere. You're getting closer to my paradise now, right? And you go live on an island somewhere, and everything is just there for you. It's not like the hard work island. It's like you just walk outside, and there's food available for you. Fun fact, by the way, about living on islands, and I don't know if I've shared this. My wife and I are different. This is one of the things that makes relationships work is to be in general. Uh, we were watching a, a TV show, and they, they shoved this couple and they put them on an island all by themselves and they brought food to them on the island and my wife said oh my goodness I would hate that and I said that's my dream <laughs> like that's what I want right I, I, I don't need a I don't need a hundred different relationships I just need one really deep relationship my wife needs more things than I you're just needy I guess no she just needs more people than, 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 than me uh, to be in a, in a healthy relationship. But the fact is, I probably ultimately need more than just one person as well. But it was kind of a, a big dig at my, my confidence that she, she, I'm not enough, is what I felt like, really. I'm not enough. No, no. But, but we're made for a relationship. And Adam is there in paradise. Literally, God made paradise for Adam. And then Adam is there and he looks at it and he's like, no, this is not good. This is not good. And so God does something kind of weird. He, he parades all of the animals of creation in front of Adam. And so he, he parades pairs of animals in front of him. So, you, you know, you got your lion and your lioness and Adam names them and your hippopotamus and your female hippopotamus, whatever that is. Or maybe the, I don't know, male and female hippopotamus. You know, your he-goat and your she-goat and your he-bear and your she-bear. And he's naming all of these animals, and he sees them, and they all come in pairs, right? They all have a mate. They all have someone, something that's like them, something of their kind that they, they go through this world with. And at the end of all of it, after he's run out of names, and we get names like Aardvark and, you know, Rolling Dung Beetle, after all of those names are done... Right, if we're done with all of that, then it, 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 it kind of dawns, I think, on Adam. You know, that thing that's not good is that he doesn't have what everything else has. Right, every other animal of its kind has, has, has a mate, has a partner, has something else like it. Something that looks like it and acts like it. Something to complement it. Something to, to complete it. And Adam didn't have that. 
Guys, it's not good for us to be alone. We have an innate need for relationship. You are made for deep relationships. Some of us have been hurt in relationships. Some of us have been burned in relationships. And so we pull back from that, right? We pull away from relationship. We isolate ourselves. You know, the older you get, the easier it is to isolate yourselves. I have some older people in our church here today. It's very easy for you to isolate yourselves and you close your doors and you don't have to worry about anyone and, and, and your kids have moved off and they have their own things going on and maybe they've got their own grandkids that are filling up their times as well. And, and, and it's easy to isolate yourself. And sometimes we can draw comfort thinking, you know, I don't, I don't have to deal with that, but it's not good for you. It's not good for the youngest people or the oldest people in my church here to live in isolation. You are created with an innate need, a God-ordained need for other people. You have that need. right? You, it's a deep-seated need, and there's not one person in this world who isn't made with that need. It's a deficit in who we are as individuals. So what does God do? Pick up in verse 21. It says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of Man, the story of the creation of woman, right? We have this story. I remember I was at youth camp years ago, and there's some sixth grade boys. Sixth grade boys are the worst people on earth. I don't know if there's an exception to that. There might be a sixth grade boy near me. Seventh grade, you're great. No, sixth grade boys are the worst people on earth, but they're also the funniest, awkward people on earth. If you spend any time with sixth grade boys, you find out real quick, like, boy, y'all are terrible human beings, but kind of funny when you're being awkward. And there's this little sixth grade boy, scrawny nothing, walking around with a t-shirt at church camp. And all his shirt said was, I want my rib back. Right? That's all it said. <laughs> and I was like, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty clever little church camp shirt right there, kid. Right? And obviously, he was having problems with the ladies. Um, this is several years ago now. I bet he's begging uh, for, 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 for somebody to, to pay attention in that area. No, God uh, makes man fall asleep. He takes Adam, he puts him under some sort of God-ordained anesthesia, and he performs surgery on this man. And, and the word for rib is kind of a weird word. And, uh, it means rib, sort of, but like it means like rib cage. We don't know how much of the middle section of man God took to make him, but he, he took a significant part of Adam, and then he formed woman from that, 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 that part of man, right? There was a physical connection, an actual fleshly connection between man and woman, the creation of woman, and she came directly from man, right? God saw the innate need of mankind. He saw that it was not good for man to be alone. He let Adam come to the conclusion that he was missing a partner, someone to be beside him, a helper, someone to be long near him. And so God puts him to sleep and creates this other person. And when Adam awakes, he, he has this amazing response, right? After seeing all of the animals with pears, he says, this at last, like 
finally, this is what I've been desiring. This is why I, I couldn't have, I couldn't put my, my, my finger exactly on what I'm missing, but that is exactly what my heart has needed, right? Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, something like me, right? And in the Bible, right, God says, I'll make a helper suitable for man. The word helper does not mean what sometimes I think it's, it's, it's turned around to mean inside of churches, right? Sometimes we say, well, she's going to be a helper. And so like man is here and the woman is here to be like the, the supporting arms under man. If you look at the way the word helper is used throughout scripture, it is used almost exclusively of God himself, right? God is our help. He's our help. He's our helper, right? So this isn't a sign of inferiority. This is not some sort of like man here, woman here. If you take that from the creation story in Genesis chapter 2, you have abused what God did when he made woman. He did not make her to, to, to solely live, to benefit mankind. God does not exist solely to benefit you. No, no, she was made, right? She was made to complete him. She was made to, to support him, but also to be a part of that world. She isn't just some underling to be trampled upon. The Bible consistently elevates the role of women throughout Scripture. Right? It starts in Genesis. It goes all the way through. You compare um, the culture that the Bible is written in to what God is saying, where the place, the, the value, the worth of women is. God cares tremendously for women. So, so don't let somebody, some TV preacher somewhere, tell you that this passage is, is a way to take women and to subjugate them under men. That's not what God is doing. God has identified a problem inside of mankind, and he com complements that by creating another person, right? An equal to share and help him along the way, right? So don't, 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 don't take that. If you're a man here today and you've been relying on Genesis chapter 2 for your marital advice and you feel like that's the way you've had to live your life, stop it, stop. Find a better way forward with your relationship, right? Your spouse, that, that, that helper that you're given, right, is an equal, is an equal to you. It's a gift from God. Look at the response of Adam. He's not like, finally, someone I can rule and reign over. Like Adam had rule and reign over the animals. Or Adam had rule and reign over the name of the animals. And he, he gave them their, their, their thing. God said, you're going to uh, be stewards of all of creation. He didn't give that role to mankind for his relationship with his wife that he makes for him. But God sees the need that we have, this innate need, and then he meets that need. By making a special person for Adam. Guys, uh, God has made other people for your benefit. Sometimes other people are the exact opposite of that to us. Sometimes other people are the problem in our world. But if you're alone today, if you're isolated today, I want you to know God has made people for you. We have people in this room who, who, who have been uh, widowed, um, you know, their, their, their spouse has passed away. You think, man, I had that person, and I lived 40, 30, 50 years with this person, and now they're gone. I don't have another person like that today. I want you to know God has made you still today to be in relationship with people, close relationship with people. The church should be a place where those relationships are fostered 
by the way. One of the things I love about church is it's an opportunity for us to get to know people beyond ourselves. You should be involved in some sort of area of discipleship groups inside of this church. We have uh, Sunday morning Sunday school classes. You should be involved in a Sunday morning Sunday school class because it gives you people to be in relationship with. It gives you people to support you and to care for you. Right, And if if Sunday morning is too early, you're here right now, so it's only like an hour earlier, but if it's it's too early, that hour there, then we have have small groups that meet in the evenings. We've got three groups meeting right now. You can come talk to me. We can find you a group with some people to be your people. Because we need them. And the church is a place where, where relationships should be fostered and encouraged, and they should be healthy. Should be healthy relationships inside of the church. So, so, so put yourself out there a little bit because God has made people for you. Right? God made a special person for Adam when he ordained this first relationship, this first marriage between Adam and Eve. When he, when he set this whole thing in motion, he made a special person for him. He's still in the business of making people for us so we're not isolated and alone. You're created for relationship. You know you need relationship, and God has surrounded you by people you can relate with. There's 7 billion people on this planet right now. You can find one or two you can be in relationship with. And if you can't, just take a short look in the mirror because the problem is there. It's not the other 7 billion people. Right? Deal, with the, deal with the problem in the mirror a little bit. Because you need other people. And God has made it. God saw the deficit in Adam, and he gave him exactly what he needed. You know, I think God puts us in situations to deliver to us exactly what we need when we need it. I've told the story about how I met my wife. It was, it's, it's weird how this came to be. I was in third grade. This is when everyone meets their spouse, by the way. So if you're already past third grade... Sorry, guys. Good luck. Right, I was in third grade. I went to third grade Sunday school at First Baptist Church, Sugarland. My dad had been transferred, or actually he didn't get transferred. He took a job in Houston. We, we moved down there after my third grade year. Walked into a Sunday school classroom. My wife was there. Right, She was, she was a beautiful little third grade girl, and I said, I'm going to make that girl my wife. No, I didn't think that at all. I was just excited. There was two other kids named Matt in my Sunday school class. So we had like three Matts running around the Sunday school class. It was crazy, like you would imagine. The reason I met my wife, though, like the reason I met my wife is very complicated, right? You think, well, you were kids, y'all just ended up in the same place, but no, like we had to drive like 15 miles through the suburbs, which is past like 100 different decent churches to go to the church that we ended up going to. And the reason we drove those 15 miles isn't because that was the best church in Fort Bend County. It was a good church. I, I loved that church. It was a wonderful place. No, it wasn't because it was the best church or had the best programs or the best worship. It's because one guy who was my dad's boss, when they worked in Houston, said, Hey, do you go to church? Will you come with us? And so some random guy invited my father. He's a random, his name is Tom Perkinson, by the way. And Tom Perkinson is a hero to me for what, what this choice did for my life. But he invited my father to come to church with them. We were church-going people in McKinney, Texas, so we came down, 
And we said, sure, we'll go there. So we drove 15 miles past 100 other churches. My wife's family drove past, I don't know how many churches, to get to, get to where our church was at. And somehow we collided in this place. And you can say, boy, that is so coincidental that, that God ordained Tom Perkinson to be your dad's boss and, uh, and, and set all these things up. But the truth is God sets things into motion to give us what we need. Look, I needed Daniel Ernst more, more than I needed anything outside of salvation. You know, I met Jesus Christ in that church because of Tom Perkinson. I met my wife in that church because of Tom Perkinson. I met uh, my call to ministry in that church because of Tom Perkinson. But God uses all of these crazy situations to deliver us exactly what we need. God has is, is, is given you people in your world, in your circles, in your spheres, as gifts to you. So lean into those gifts. You know, Adam didn't look at Eve and said, oh, another mouth to feed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, geez. Now i got to figure out how to pick twice as many apples, right? No, no. He saw her as a gift. Guys, see those people as a gift. If you're married here today, and that's not everyone, if you're married here today, your spouse is a gift to you. Celebrate that fact. Right? Some of you are looking at the receipt to see if you can return the gift. You can't. Right? Your spouse is a gift to you. Celebrate. If you're not married here today, those people that God has put around you are gifts to you. How wonderful to have, you know, uh, uh, peers and friends and, and, and fellow believers that you can live your life with. How blessed that is. You know, marriage is not a higher state of being than singleness, right? Some people live their whole lives single. That's great. That's God's blessing on you that you get to be that, and you get surrounded by people the whole way through. God does not put you into a life of singleness to leave you there abandoned and alone, seeking out relationship with people. God surrounds you with people to be in relationship with you. How wonderful that is. How wonderful that is. So God makes this woman, and Adam celebrates this, and then we get verse 24 and 25, and it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And obviously this is a sign of physical intimacy, right? You'll leave your father's house and you will cling to your wife. And there's a sexual kind of intimacy that takes place in this story, right? We're, we're made for some sort of intimacy like the inside of your marriage situation. But, but what I love about this is inside of that intimate relationship, there is real intimacy. You know, intimacy isn't just something that happens uh, you know, in, inside of a bedroom in this cloak of like uh, of, of marital like sex, right? It's not just that. Intimacy is the ability to be fully known by someone, to be transparently known by someone. And we see that as evidenced by Adam and Eve walking around just naked, right? Like, like that's, that's, that's full intimacy. My wife had a friend, I won't share her name because who knows how these things get around. It's a weird story. She had a friend, and they were, I don't know if it was marriage counseling or something they were going through, and, and, and the counselor suggested to them that they just sit in chairs opposite each other naked. Like, that was the, that was the like, 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 they just sit in chairs opposite each other 
naked, right? And I, I don't know if that's like physically, if he's just trying to say like, and then you'll become more vulnerable and transparent. It feels like it would just be awkward to me, honestly. But like, but, but Adam and Eve, like they, 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 they experienced fully being known. There was nothing hidden. There was nothing that they were hiding from each other. They were fully known. You're made for a special kind of relationship. You're not just made for surface relationships. We talk about the Astros cheating, right? We're made for deeper relationships. By the way, the Astros, I think, might have cheated. I just, maybe, okay? But they won, so eat it. But um, we're made for more than talking about the weather or who's running on the Democrat side for president right now or what's going on in politics on this side or what's going on over here. We're made to be really known. And that involves being vulnerable to somebody. If you're married, your spouse is your God-given gift to be that with, to be fully known by them. That means they get to know all the garbage that you are. Right? Like they have to know the garbage that you are. You don't hide the garbage that you are. They know the garbage that you are, and they choose to be in a relationship with you Anyways, if you're single here today, that's what your friends are designed for, to be fully known, to be transparent with them, to take conversations beyond the surface level, beyond how are you feeling today, or how is your dog doing, or when are we going to see each other again, to the things of the heart that truly matter. We are made for meaningful, intimate relationships. And it is a gift from God. God looked down on he from heaven and said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he fixed that problem. And some of us today have been hurt and we, and, we, and we say, I'm not letting anyone know me. They can know a little bit about me. They can know my name. They can know what I do. They can know what I have. I have a, I have a family member and uh, we were together somewhere and I said, hey, where are you staying? We were at a thing, and I said, hey, where are you staying tonight? And, and all this person responded to me and says, they said, well, in a hotel. That's it. Like, obviously, I know you're staying in a hotel. I was just asking small talk question. Like, where, where are you staying tonight? A hotel. And then I heard someone else ask him, like, 10 minutes later, hey, where are you staying? Oh, a hotel. Refused to share any information about themselves. Right? There's a fear, and that's a crazy fear. Of intimacy when you won't like I, I guess he was scared I was going to show up at his hotel and like show up randomly at 2 a.m. I don't know but a lot of us we're, we're better than that but we have real fear because we've been intimate with someone we've allowed someone to see who we are and then they've crumpled us up thrown us away they've hurt us and I'm sorry some people just suck, stink, I don't know, they're bad. So we've got to be selective about who it is that we allow, right? Not everyone in this room will get the most intimate, vulnerable version of Matt Higginbotham. You get a fairly vulnerable version up here, but you don't get the whole deal. Because I don't know if everyone in this room is trustworthy with everything that I am. I know my wife is. She gets it all. People in my small group, they get more. 
a lot, actually. Right? But not everyone gets every piece of you. Be selective about who you share everything with. But somebody's got to get through to you. It is not good for you to be alone. You are made for a real, genuine relationship. So lean into that. And you know, one of the best places to start learning about vulnerability in relationships is in the way in which we relate to God. You know, God already knows you fully. He knows everything about you. He knows the good things you've done. He knows the opposite of the good things that you've done. And he still loves you. He still seeks out after you. He still pursues after you. Today, pray to that God. And pray vulnerably. Share yourself with him. He already knows what's going on. It's practice for our human relationships to relate to someone who already has lovingly known us. And God loves us even though we're sinners, even though we're fallen away, even though we've run our own path. He still loves you. And you know what? You're not lost to him. You're not too far gone from him. He's calling you home now. Some of you need to, do, to, to today begin a relationship with that God. That God who already knows you, but you have not voluntarily shared yourself. And he wants to begin a relationship with you. And that starts by knowing his son, Jesus Christ, who became like you and I, lived on earth as a man. And he lived alongside of us and among us, and he became our sacrifice. He took our sin on himself so that we could be forgiven by the God who loves us so much. God sent his son because he loves you. And his son died on your behalf because he loves you. He was raised again because he's victorious and you will be raised too if you would trust him. Begin that relationship today by crying out in faith, yes, Lord, I believe in Jesus. And continue that relationship daily with the God who already knows you. God looked down at Adam, and he didn't have to ask Adam, Adam, are you feeling okay? Do you feel like you have everything you need? He knew it's not good for man to be alone because God knows you better than you know yourself. So cry out to him today. Some of you need to start your relationship with God today. Some of you need to, to redevelop your prayer relationship with God where you begin to share the things that are really you. Not the thank you, Lord, for our food, let's eat, amen, prayer, but the real part of you, the, the part of you that feels disenfranchised, the part of you that feels uh, neglected, that part of you needs to be shared. So share that today. Some of you have a, have a, have a healthy relationship with the God who loves you, but you need to develop a, a healthy relationship with the people around you, whether it's your spouse or, or, or your friend set or the people around you. Find someone to be vulnerable with. Find someone safe and trustworthy and be vulnerable with them. Recognizing that you might get hurt in the process. Right, That person that you think might be trustworthy may turn out not to be. But there are trustworthy people in your life. God has given them to you because he knows 
what you need, and he's already given it to you. You were created for a relationship, special, intimate, fully known relationship. Don't run away from it today. Lean into it, because God wants you to be known. And he's given you people as a gift to know and help you. Let's pray.